Hey there, I'm Sarah Zarella, a portrait and wedding photographer and your host for Wedding Secrets Unveiled. This is a podcast where we cut through the complexity of wedding planning, leaving you with everything you need to know directly from the industry experts. If you want to simplify your wedding planning while having fun, of course, you came to the right place. Join me while I guide you through your planning, starting from your engagement to your big day where you say, I do. After photographing for the past 19 years, I am sharing with you tips and tricks to cut through the excess noise because I believe from the moment you said yes, your planning experience should be a magical time in your life. Here you will find episodes that are fun, stress-free, and straight to the point with a fresh, honest take on the reality of what you really need to know about planning your perfect day. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. Today, we have Alexandra Denniston. She is the owner of Event Lightment Planning. We are going to talk a little bit about what the differences of an elopement wedding, a micro wedding, and a traditional wedding. If you're trying to figure out the pros and the cons of the three different types of weddings and what the best fit for you would be, this is the podcast for you. With the growing popularity of more intimate wedding celebrations, we really talk about how to choose the best style for your wedding. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Alexandra. Well, hello, Alexandra. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am really excited. I'm happy because you reached out to us yes. and you you came up with this topic. Yes, yes. And, and it's a big one. <laughs> I know. And as soon as I saw it come through my email, I'm like, this could really be a great benefit from everybody listening. Absolutely. So with that said, before we get into it, can you let everybody know who you are, who you serve, and what you do in your business. Absolutely, my name is Alexandra Denniston. I am a luxury wedding planner. I am Rhode Island based, but destination inspired. So I do weddings all over the uh, New England, East Coast, and US in general. I'm also open to international. And um, I help folks plan their dream weddings. So how did you get going? So I have actually been in the industry for a little over 13 years. Um, I have worked for florists. I've worked for other freelancers. I have run venues. I have worked for caterers. And eventually I was like, all right, it's time to do my own thing. So I have been off of my own for about two and a half years now. And it's been going really, really well. A lot of great clients, a lot of fun experiences. I'm happy for you. It's, you. It, the industry is very interesting, Like kind of like a little... Uh, behind the curtain moment for the listeners, the the wedding and event industry in general, it's definitely something where, you know, for, for someone like myself who's been in it for 21 years now, it's definitely something where, like, you see different faces a lot rotating. Yes. Like, yep. <laughs> it's, it's very common, I guess is what I'm trying to say, yeah. to see someone like yourself dabble in a different little areas, mm -hmm. get their experience, right. and then move into where they're really going to sink their Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the beauty of this industry too because you know to in my opinion to be a good wedding planner you need to have that experience in all the different areas so you know you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you're not you know getting that experience across the board I couldn't agree more and I also kind of like the fact that like you know a lot of times I'll see people they'll work at one venue and then they'll go to another but it's great because then they're getting exposure right 
Yeah. And for me, I like it because I'm like, oh, another friendly face. Yes, yep, exactly. <laughs> but with that said, let's just get right into the topic that um, you came up with to deliver to our listeners, which is kind of talking a little bit about what the different types of weddings are. A lot of words, I think more so that we've came out of the COVID years, we've mm-hmm. been hearing this a lot. Um, what is a micro wedding, an elopement, and a traditional wedding in general? Absolutely. So uh, I think there's actually often some confusion <laughs> about how an elopement and a micro wedding differ. Um, in my experience, an elopement tends to just be the couple um, and maybe a witness on either side. Um, and they go off just the two of them, maybe to a destination, maybe in a place that just means something to them, and they get married, and that's it. Um, micro weddings tend to be uh, more intimate groups. So I would say maybe 15 to 50 people, um, which you know is tends to be a a lot smaller than what your traditional wedding might be, which I generally will say is, you know, 75 and above, you know, up to 200, 250, 300. You know, those are obviously very large affairs. Um, And I think each type of wedding uh, appeals to a different demographic um, and a different preference amongst the couples. I'm really happy that you kind of gave the number count because a lot of times when I'll have a couple call me, Sometimes what they define as a small wedding actually is a truly like an average size wedding. Right. <laughs> so at least you know in the in the wedding industry right now, I would say you said the same thing. An average wedding is anywhere from seventy five and above. Correct. Yeah. Well, not above like seventy five to one fifty is an average size. Yes. Above one fifty, I would say is a larger wedding, and yeah. below seventy five is a smaller wedding. Right. Um, the only reason why I say that is a lot of times someone will call me and say, I'm having a smaller wedding, like 80 people. I'm like, actually, that's an average size yeah, right now. That's a good amount of people, <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. So, Alexandra, you talked a little bit about the difference of the sizes with a micro wedding versus an elopement wedding. But how can a couple decide what way they want to go if they decided to go on the smaller end? Sure. So I think um, you know a large part of it is certainly personal preference. Um, but I think an even bigger part of it is likely budget. Um, you know, if you are going somewhere just you and your future spouse, uh, whether it's local or you're going to be traveling, that obviously is a little more of an affordable cost sometimes. Whereas if you're involving 15 to 50 people, which is what I you know generally say is the range of guest count for a micro wedding, that's a much more significant cost, you know, in terms of, you know, are you helping facilitate any travel or accommodations for these people, you know, and then obviously all of the decor pieces. So tables, decor, like florals, tabletop rentals, things like that. Obviously that begins to add up the more people that you have. So, you know, the more people equals the more budget. Um, So I would say if budget is a driving force for you to consider that and, you know, definitely make sure you have that budget conversation with your spouse to make sure that you're on the same page about how much you'd like to spend and then can kind of go from there to determine like what direction might be best for you. And also, too, I think, like you said, the budget goes hand in hand with the guest list because obviously guest list is a huge driving force with budget. Um, But with that said, sometimes I feel that maybe at times people elope is because they are struggling with that guest list. Sure. Sometimes, like, if you know, if you start opening up, like, a side of a family, well, now that turns into, like, 
inviting maybe your cousins or, you know, turns into now 25 people goes into 50. It depends on your size of family. Exactly. Or, you know, sometimes people, I find that like couples are just, don't want to be center of attention. Right. And so an elopement's That's great. That's actually really common. I can't tell you how many brides specifically are like, I don't like people looking at me. I don't want people to be focused on me. I just really want to celebrate having all of these wonderful people who I love in the same room. And like, I want that to be it. <laughs> and, and before we kind of get off on some other differences between the elopement and micros while we're sticking with budget and guest list, just also too, on, as a photographer standpoint, sometimes, right, if let's say there's the reason of like the center of attention or other reasons that you want to have a micro wedding and it's not actually budget, I find that sometimes when you have a smaller guest count you and you don't have a tighter budget, mm -hmm. you can actually spend a little bit more money on the other elements yes. that are important to you. So really, sometimes a micro wedding doesn't mean it's less expensive. It right. just means that you can start spending more in the departments right. that you want to. Your budget goes further because you have fewer people to spend it on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm in full agreement there. And I actually was talking with someone about this the other day that, you know, a lot of people these days, they have a decent budget. Um, but maybe the vision for, you know, a larger wedding still doesn't match that budget. So you want to accomplish that vision, pare down that guest count, and, you know, it's attainable for you. Especially to some of these micro weddings that I see, they might be out of state. So they do have, you know, really good photographer on site. Mm -hmm. They have an event coordinator because there's a lot of moving parts other right. than just the wedding itself. Exactly. There's, you know, guest accommodations. There's the, the dinner the night before or the brunch the next day. So, you know, again, it's, yes... If you want, if you have a tighter budget, obviously a micro wedding mm -hmm. is the way to go. But also, too, just because you have a micro wedding, wedding does not mean you can't go lavish with the decor. Right. Yeah. And not even just decor. I mean, think about, you know, folks are going, uh, Italy is a huge destination. And I'm finding a lot of folks, you know, falling between that 25 to 50 person guest count. And they're going abroad, you know, and they're doing this like fairy tale Italian wedding or this fairy tale Greece wedding that, you know, they wouldn't be able to do for 200 people. Um, but, you know, for 50, yeah, totally attainable. What are some other differences between an elopement and a micro wedding? I would say the other piece that folks want to keep in mind when they're deciding between the two, um, you know, not just regarding the guest count, but the specific people who are important to you. I know there can be a lot of politics surrounding ceremonies and, you know, you should do this or, you know, this is traditional, so this is how this should happen. So I think, you know, if you have a very different vision of what your ceremony should look like or what your, you know, celebration should look like um, as compared to what maybe your family or close friends have to say, um, all of the opinions come out during the wedding planning process. So um, I think an elopement can be a really good fit for folks that have a vision that so greatly differs perhaps from their family and friends so they don't feel the pressure of trying to appease you know other people's opinions because in the end you know and I tell my clients this all the time you do you it's your wedding so and you want to look back on it and have fond memories and really be 150% happy with every decision you made so I think that by you know perhaps deciding to make it just the two of you could be the best option for people who have really different views of how it should go. 
What about timing? How would timing affect your decision to either have an elopement or a micro wedding? Sure. So I think either of those can be planned often on a, on a tighter timeline. So if you're looking to get married within the next one, three, six months, perhaps one of those options is best for you. If you're looking in, you know, I want to get married next weekend, then elopement, like <laughs> go for the elopement. Um, you know, so I, I think because of the smaller guest counts, sometimes, not always, that can mean, you know, less logistics, therefore making it a little bit easier for you to plan in a shorter time span. Um, you know, but again, you know, especially with those micro weddings, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be in a short time frame. You can plan a, you know, micro wedding a year out if you want to. Um, but, you know, most especially for those elopements, I think, um, you know, if you're trying to plan on a tight timeline, that uh, that can work really well in planning an elopement because it's just the two of you. There's a lot less you have to coordinate. Perhaps it's just, you know, a really nice dinner reservation and an officiant to, you know, get the job done, um, which is a lot easier to arrange in a shorter time frame. I also think it's interesting, too, because in the COVID years, that's going to be like <laughs> a thing now, right? Um, we saw a lot of people being creative with their... So let me back up for a second. I really thought that at least when the March of um, 2020 happened, I thought that that was going to be like forcing me into retirement. Right? No, <laughs> yeah, I did. I, right, did. I was right. like, okay, here we go. Like this. All is of just... us were like, what's going that... on? And then I shortly realized that, believe it or not, you know, what I always thought was a novelty, mm -hmm. um, having a photographer at your wedding, I've realized it's kind of a necessity. Right. And they, they, people want that. Um, not just a want, they, they, they need it. They need their memories preserved and right. they need to get married. You're never, I realize you're never going to stop people from getting married. Right. So like even with the shutdowns when the government was basically telling you like what exactly you can and can't do, yeah. people were finding ways around it. Totally. So for my career, I will never want to go back to that. But the positive thing that I saw was a lot of creative ways Absolutely. to celebrate. Oh, get yeah, for sure. And that turned into what we are now using, elopement and micro wedding. Right, right. right. So what I was seeing is, and you know, it's funny, it's like a no-brainer, right? But not really. I mean, it's it very, like very creative ways to have a celebration. So I feel when you do start to have a micro wedding, mm -hmm. you can start thinking a little bit more out of the box right. than you can with a traditional. And the reason being, and I started to realize that, is the time that the, the time that you're you're renting. Mm -hmm. the, it, it, believe it or not, for the listeners, it's really driven. Like you might have this vision, but sometimes it's hard to execute it because you're still having to go over like budget minimums for right. the venues, right. space minimums for the venues. Mm -hmm. Like so you might not be able to execute, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right. what you want with the small guest count because the venues are like, no, that's the, a, a Saturday or Sunday is my real estate, my time, exactly. right? So what I was seeing is that a lot of people were thinking outside the box and I'm just kind of throwing some ideas out there and I would love for you to throw any for people that are listening if they want to have a micro wedding, what can they do differently? For example, I wasn't seeing cocktail hour anymore. Right. It was just, or, or I wasn't seeing a formal dinner, meaning I was seeing that people got married and then obviously they did their pictures and then it was just turning into one big cocktail hour. Right. Or they, they, they canceled the cocktail hour out and they went right into the dinner because why have a cocktail hour? They didn't right. need that time. Or I think, you know, something that I saw happen often was not including the ceremony. 
So they did, they almost did like an elopement and a micro wedding together where they eloped, you know, they went and they, you know, did their ceremony that just the two of them and maybe a witness or two. And then they had the micro wedding, which was a, a party with 50 people and that was it. And so, you know, the traditional kind of trajectory that you typically see for a wedding just didn't exist anymore. It was just it's just a party, you know? Yes. And I think that too kind of goes back to what we were talking about regarding budget. I saw a lot of people making the shift to a combination of either elopement and micro wedding or elopement and traditional wedding um, in an effort to kind of spread out that timing, um, you know, where they wanted to get married, they wanted to be married, but they maybe pushed the celebration off a little bit so that they could afford either the traditional wedding that they wanted or the micro wedding that they wanted. So I think that's something to think about too, is that these different styles of weddings also don't have to be done on their own. You could try to combine them too, to make it work for whatever your individual situation is. Well, you did say the word traditional wedding, so now let's get into that. <laughs> yes. How does some of these intimate options compare to a traditional wedding? Sure. So I think the number one thing that I talk to my clients about regarding your size of your wedding um, is to think about the engagement with your guests. The larger the wedding, the more time that you're going to have to put into greeting people, you know, working the room, thanking people, which for some people that might be okay and they don't have they are expecting that, they're planning for that, no big deal. But if you are, you know, big on the party, the more people that you have, the more time that you're taking out of, you know, the fun, the fun stuff, so to speak. So I always tell people when you're thinking about the size of your traditional wedding, you know, 100 people versus 200 people can be a huge difference in terms of the time you devote to the party, so to speak. Um, and how that differs, obviously, from, say, a micro wedding, you know, your micro wedding is most likely your closest, most intimate circle. So if you, um, in that case, you are really getting that quality time with those people that mean the most to you, um, which I think is probably one of the biggest differences between the, the groups, you know, between the two styles of weddings. Obviously, budget is also a huge, huge thing uh, when it comes to a more traditional wedding. More people, more costs, larger venue, larger cost, um, you know, all of those things kind of equal uh, a, a bigger spend on your part. So I think, you know, that's something to really think about from the beginning. Budget is always the very first thing that I talk to people about when they, you know, come to work with me. Um, you know, and I suggest that for any couple who's going to be getting married, I don't care if you're having a micro wedding or a 300 person wedding figure out what you are spending first. <laughs> Don't become sticker shocked later and then not know how to deal with it. <laughs> I love it. It's like you the, the big B word budget right. is a driving force with everything. So here's the thing now. There's something else that you said that I kind of want to like rewind yes. and go and like revisit this is um, etiquette, right? So mm -hmm. guests, the more guests you have, the more uh, time mm -hmm. or uh, I mean, just time that right. takes to talk to them. So here's the thing for our listeners. I got to tell you, I just, we had our girl Pamela on. Yes. She was talking about etiquette. Right. So if you guys want to talk about etiquette, tune into that episode. But it is so important if you are hosting, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're hosting your two witnesses or 200 people, you do have to acknowledge them. 100%. Period. Yes. 
I mean, it's like you just have to, right? So a lot of times people nowadays have cut out the quote-unquote receiving line. Thank goodness. <laughs> you sound, so it's funny. So it's okay. So it's funny you say thank good thank goodness, right? It's like I it's, I I struggle with this, and it's so funny you just said that. That was your impulse, <laughs> right? But here's the deal, like, right? Just hear me out. Half of me is wondering, like, you know, like when you just start seeing trends come in and out. Mm-hmm. Half of me is wondering, like, are we gonna bring this trend back? So like, right. my initial gut was like, thank goodness, cut it out. Right. But now I'm starting to think, like, we need to bring it back. Here's why. Sure. I'm, I'm just, just yeah. Hear me no, out, I'm, right? I'm curious <laughs> because it gets it out of the way. Right. Boom, out of the way. And so let me back up for a second. So we used to have the, the and, I'll, and I'll get back to like the thank goodness. And you, you know, we can have a little short little like debate about the <laughs> yes, receiving line yes. here. Um, but so we had the receiving line that got it out of the way. That's how people greeted and thanked their guests, right? It was mm-hmm. like a line, thank you, thank you, thank you. And like, you know, yes, they got to see people and talk to the people, right? Then people started cutting that out and they started doing first looks. So therefore they could go to their cocktail hour. Mm-hmm. Originally cocktail hour was always there. So that way the couple can go take their pictures right. and then they could start giving the guests some drinks and hors d'oeuvres. Well now couples are doing quote unquote first looks. That's If you don't know what a first look is, I have a whole podcast episode on that <laughs> one, right? I'm not even going to get into that, that today. But, and then therefore they were going to cocktail hour to right. greet and mingle with their guests, yes. right? Yeah. But now you're taking in an hour to do all that. Mm-hmm. So people think that they're going to go to their cocktail. No, you're not. No, you're, you're talking greeting to, everyone. You're greeting right. everybody. <laughs> so now let's say you're having more of a traditional approach where you don't want to see each other. Mm-hmm. You don't or super like super untraditional where you're not having this receiving line because we're cutting it out. So now you're taking pictures during your cocktail hour. So now when do you see people? Dinner. Right. You're going up to every table. So now that four-hour rental block for your venue right. just turned into like one hour of yourself going up and it being right. completely like separated from sometimes your spouse because he's doing this table, she's doing right. that table or whatever. And when do you eat? When do you eat? <laughs> so my point is I'm rambling, but what I'm trying to say is there's different pockets that you can go and have the opportunity to speak to your guests. So you're like wondering like, where am I going with this? <laughs> Receiving lines. Right. Okay. And you know what? I think the receiving line can work, but it's I think it comes down to you need to then structure your entire day timeline around that because I the reason I said, oh, thank goodness that we got rid of it is because it takes a long time. It does take a chunk of time. So if you're doing that, you have to make sure that you have timed the space between your ceremony and either your cocktail hour, your dinner, whatever you've decided to follow up with that, um, and that you have enough time to do that so that you're not running into that bingo. next event. So bingo. So yes. Yeah, so it, the listeners, here's the quick tip, right? If you guys are not planning a receiving line, you need to plan an exit strategy. Like get away from wherever you got married. Literally, physically get into transportation and leave. Yes. Or like walk, oh, if you're getting married at the venue and having pictures at the venue or going to cocktail hour, like walk away from that space because instantly people will come up to you. And it's human nature. Yes. Totally. So you, but if you are having, and so therefore the reason why you, you, you basically said the right thing, because if they don't leave, all of a sudden you have this impromptu receiving line right. and literally it takes 20 minutes yes. at least. And it's like, what? But what if, if you have a gap, if let's say you are getting married offsite and you have this long gap and you're wondering what to do, do with it, obviously you could take pictures, you could go to different locations, fill up the time. This is the time I personally think we need to start bringing receiving lines back. Sure. As much as it's like. The reason why it's, it, it does suck up time, but it gets it out of the way. And what I like about it is 
receiving line, meaning people know to stand in line, right. go and say hello to you, and leave. Right. And uh, then they don't have a, any further expectation either. Bingo. And no one feels slighted. Everyone's happy. Right. Everyone's been thanked. And it's all good. I, I see I'm the an advocate for receiving I get it. <laughs> so you see, so, uh, I'm, not, I'm not an advocate for impromptu receiving line. Right. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm starting to feel like, all right, guys, we need to do this receiving line and just get it out of the right. way. Because I'm wa- the reason why I say that is I'm watching my couples mm-hmm. and I'm really watching them struggle. Yeah. And because they, they genuinely want to speak to some people. And honestly, some people, they don't. I, 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 and so, like, get the receiving line out of the way. And then, therefore, you can pick and choose what you want to do with your time. Exactly. Even if you do a first look. Then you can actually go to cocktail hour. Right. Or, you know, something that I've been seeing a lot of folks doing in, re- in regards to cocktail hour is they did the first look, so they could go to cocktail hour, but they're choosing to spend that time with their new spouse and, you know, going off. Maybe they're taking some photos. Maybe they're just enjoying a drink and some hors d'oeuvres, just the two of them, because they're not going to have any other time throughout the night right. where it's just the two of them most of the time. Absolutely. So with that said... If whatever you're doing, you have to figure out a time when you are going to talk to your guest. And if that's overwhelming to you, you can go back to a micro wedding. Or you can bring back the, the, hey, take my advice. Bring back the (laughs) receiving line. But like Alexandra said, do not do an impromptu. (laughs) Make sure you plan for that, for sure. (laughs) Right? All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back in, we're going to talk a little bit more about traditional weddings and the micro weddings. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to check out our website at sarazarella.com. And don't forget, you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And I would so appreciate if you left a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support. And now, let's get back to the episode. All right, guys. Well, welcome back, my podcast friends. So before the break, we were talked a little bit about the difference with elopement and micro weddings. And then we started dabbling into traditional. We did have a battle of the receiving line. <laughs> yes. Uh, I but think with- you won that. <laughs> <laughs> did I convince you? Yes. Yes. See? As long as you plan for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's something else I want to bring back. The birdcage. Just want to bring it back. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. We'll talk about that. Okay. No, you're like, you're disagreeing with me yeah. with that? You know what it is? It's I was designing an ad yesterday, and uh, the, the, the girl that helps me in, in my office, she looked at the picture, because I pulled out an ad literally from eight years ago. Yeah. And I was like, because that's the last time I designed a physical ad was eight years ago um, for, for print. And she's like, was that taken eight years ago? And I, and I was like, yeah, how do you know? <laughs> she's like, the birdcage. And I'm, I'm like, really? And then I was doing um, like, a, like a wedding show the other day. And somebody came up to me and pointed to a picture that I had, like, I, I want to say, like, in, in one of my slideshows or whatnot. And I mean, those slideshows have pictures from the last 20 years in it. And they're like, what is that? I'm like. Birdcage. <laughs> so people don't know what this birdcage is. Well, you know is. what? Everything old is new again. That's a that's a thing. So maybe it's coming back. We'll see. Well, no. It's, well, that point is it's not. Like, it's not here. And I'm like, people don't even know what this is. And I'm like, I mean, I was like, okay, well, maybe we need to bring this back. But you don't think so? <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, anything can be done 
if you do it well and maybe look at it from a different perspective. So maybe we find a new use for the birdcage. I could be on board for that. Okay. Challenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if anybody who's listening wants to bring back the birdcage or find a new use of it, please hit us up. Yes. I would love to hear it for sure. I'll make it happen. <laughs> I love it. All right. But with that said, what is some other things that can start to make you figure out if you're going to go to a micro and traditional wedding? So uh, something that I think is really good to think about too um, is sort of venue selection. Um, as you are deciding what size might be good for you, you should also think about where do you wanna be? Um, because if you have 300 people, but you have this vision for this super intimate garden wedding, um, you know, 300 people will kind of smash that, <laughs> that vision. Um, whereas, you know, if you, only have 25 30 people and the venue you're targeting is this huge opulent elegant hall um you know your budget might not allow for you to have it there if they have certain minimums for food and beverage or site fees or things like that so you know on both ends of the spectrum i think it's really important to think about your location and where you want to be and help that dictate what might be a good fit for you and also too like if you are just somebody that just wants to throw a grand party mm -hmm. i mean not for nothing the, the your wedding day is yes it's your wedding day it's the beginning of both of you guys right but it's also too honestly the first and probably the last time you're going to get everybody together right so if you really are using that opportunity to just have the, the time of your life and if you're super popular and you just have <laughs> this lovely guest list sometimes the venues like you said mm -hmm. if you fall like if you fall in love with something and you want to have a traditional wedding and the venues don't have the space for it I'm just kind of throwing this out there yeah. we've seen other people do creative things for example they'll combine the traditional and the micro what right. I mean by that is I've seen people have everybody invited to their ceremony because that's ultimately what, the, what we're all right, here for right of course and then they'll invite let's just say they picked a location that they fell in love with and the maximum amount of people is 175 mm -hmm. they'll invite the 175 to the evening reception but then they'll still have like a micro celebration maybe at their house and it's catered for like the other people and it's like yeah you're like well there's an a and b thing well it doesn't have to be a and b why can't it be a and a Right. right like some people have the garden um catered event at your house and then some people have the night celebration right. just thrown out there and that you could also cater that to like what do you think those specific guests are going to enjoy like you have grandma that doesn't really like really loud music and then you have you know your college buddies that want to pop off <laughs> so. and that and that's exactly what they did they invited a lot of the family and the uh, to the garden mm -hmm. event and then they then they had their friends and work people for the night affair exactly mm -hmm. so you know that way you're actually looking out for your guests and providing them with the party that is best suited to their preferences that's actually pretty impressive right <laughs> <laughs> So the other thing to think about, too, as you're deciding which option might be best for you is, you know, what are your aspirations for location and travel? So it's not only location in terms of what venue works well for you, but also, you know, where do you want to be? Um, you know, I would say it's becoming more and more popular these days to, you know, pick a really out there destination, you know, whether, you know, you're looking for a Caribbean style thing or you want to go to Europe or, you know, some, it's something just 
cross country from you, um, you know, and think about how that translates into what your guests can actually accommodate. So, you know, do you have all of your guests living on the East Coast and you have a, you know, California, Southern California dream wedding in your head? Um, you know, is it realistic to ask 300 people to come from the East Coast to the West Coast? I mean, you're going to know your guests best, but it's also an important thing to think about. Maybe that means you have a more intimate guest list and you kind of target that micro wedding instead. Um, I think that's definitely a, a good chunk of the puzzle to consider as you're planning. We did a wedding many years ago, one of my favorite couples. I still follow them. They're on three kids. And it's funny because <laughs> she just posted like a picture of her family and I commented it on. I'm like, oh, I'll, get, I'll just say her name. I'm like, Kimya, I'm like, you know, you, your boys are so big now. And she literally was like, and, and I was like, I love your family pictures because she's on the West Coast now. And yeah. she's like, well, you were the original photographer. I'm like, I was. And you're probably wondering where I'm going with the story is that She's Persian. Mm -hmm. She's from California. Yep. She met her husband, who was from Rhode Island and Catholic. Yep. And so they had a, a Persian celebration out there. Actually, I did it because yeah. I flew out there and I did it. They wanted the same photographer. And then they had a smaller affair here yeah. and, they, and got married in the Catholic church here. And so that's another thing, like you said, like mm -hmm. if it's different locations. Yes. And, but let me talk about locations quickly. FYI, guys, just throwing this out there. If you are doing a destination wedding to try to minimize your guest list, just be aware that sometimes when you have a destination wedding and you invite people, a lot of people still go. Yes, that is so true. So true. That happened to my best friend. She was like, well, we invited 80 people, but I think like 40 are actually going to come. Every single person came. Every single one. And she is not a big wedding type of person. She did not want all of the like fanfare and focus on her. Um, that backfired real quick. I mean, it was great because she was so glad to have, you know, so, so many family and friends there. But like literally everyone came. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. It's 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 just something just throwing it out there that you'll be surprised of how many people will take up the opportunity, especially if you're well loved. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously it depends too on the distance. So her wedding was Florida. That's pretty attainable location. Probably lose a few if you do Caribbean, probably lose a few more if you do Europe. But still, like people will definitely take that that opportunity if it's presented, I think. And I, I love what you said about the two locations. I actually I'm working with a couple who's getting married this November and the bride is from Peru. So they're actually throwing two full sized weddings. One here in Rhode Island and one um, in Peru uh, the, the next month. So a month apart, they're throwing two huge weddings. Um, and that worked for them. You know, that, and I, I, I say huge. They're going to probably top out about 80 per each. But that's, that's a traditional that's a wedding. Traditional size yep. wedding. Yep. Um, you know, and all of the kind of fixings and details and logistics that come along with it. And honestly, like going to, like talking about the difference of the cultures, obviously we, you know, we did another uh, wedding last year where they didn't have the budget to do like, you know, this East Coast, West Coast thing. So what they did is they had a weekend where they had a small micro wedding for their Catholic ceremony. Mm -hmm. And then they had their Indian wedding the next day. Yes. So that's another option. I mean, you can combine a micro and a traditional yes. all-in-one weekend, too. Totally. And yeah. I think that's that's kind of the beauty of having all of these different styles of weddings. Um, you know, the, the name of the game is whatever you make it. 
You know, mm-hmm. you can do just one. You can combine a couple or all three of the styles in whatever length of time you you deem appropriate for you. So, uh, you know, I definitely encourage people to, you know, consider all the things that we've been talking about. And in the end, if it means that you're doing all three, go for it. I mean, that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, the venues, again, there's some venues around this area. For example, if I'll get a phone call from that couple um, and they say that they are getting married at you know X location I know right off the bat that most likely this is a micro wedding mm-hmm. because I know the, the guest count right. right and but I also can tell you it's not a budgeted micro wedding yeah I know the venue and I'm like yeah nope there's there that's that's top notch right exactly you know? but again I mean going back to what we were saying about budget like just because you're having a micro wedding doesn't mean that you don't have a budget it might mean you have a really healthy budget and you just want to make it push that much further in, you know, how the things that you do for your guests, whether it be decor or entertainment or overall experience or whatever. That's true. That is actually one of my favorite venues to photograph at because it's exactly that. It's somebody who has a nice, healthy budget, Mm -hmm. but what they're doing is they're really pushing the boundaries on all avenues because it's a lower guest count. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. Um, But you got to understand the lower the guest count, the, the negative side of that, I'm not, well, not negative, but the, there's pros and cons of everything, is if you're somebody who's into the big party, obviously less people lends itself to less people dancing. It's just the vibe. You right. will have kind of a a smaller, that party feeling. So yes. if you're a partier, you got to get the, the, the numbers in. Right. It, it, it's just, it is what it is. Yes. Or you just have to get a really amazing band or DJ that knows how to get people on the dance floor. I think that actually can be a huge help to that formula of getting people to dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Having someone that really just engages the crowd. All right, well, I could sit here and talk to you all day, but it's time for our wrap-up question. What are some key points that couples should consider when they are deciding what type of wedding they are planning for their perfect event? Sure, so I think that they need to consider their overall vision for how they see their wedding day playing out and then just consider the budget that is allocated. And if you haven't thought about budget, then this is your opportunity. Um, And then if your vision exceeds your budget for what would be considered a full-size wedding, so, you know, 75 people and above, then consider planning a micro-wedding or an elopement so that you can have all of the elements that you're envisioning within your budget that you have, have available. Um, If it's very important to you to have an extensive guest list, then hosting a full-size wedding might be a better fit for you. And you just have to adjust perhaps what your vision is, you know, in that case, if your budget budget is more restricting. Um, And then if you love to travel, you want to incorporate that into your wedding plans, then maybe an elopement or a micro wedding is a better fit for you. You know, a smaller group that can go with you wherever your heart desires. Well, that's a lot of information. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Wedding Secrets Unveiled. You helped our listeners become one step closer to their journey of a stress-free wedding planning. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at at eventlightenment or uh, on my website or on Facebook and uh, here on the podcast, which was so much fun. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, and what I'll do is for our listeners, I will have all of Alexandra's information 
on our episode show notes, which you can find on our blog or on our website, which is at sarahzarella.com backslash podcast. Thank you for listening to Wedding Secrets Unveiled. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to tell you something. I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. We love photographing while having fun, of course. Check out our podcast page on our website for our show notes along with upcoming episodes with your local wedding experts. Listen in as we help you plan your epic event. And don't forget that you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate if you left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support and let us know what you think. If you know any wedding experts that would like to be a guest, we have a link directly on our website where they can let us know. Thank you for listening.